Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast with your host and owner of multiple businesses, a mentor, investor, and dental surgeon, Brad Thornton. Hi guys, it's Brad Thornton here. We've got an interview with Ritesh Agarwal, who is a dentist. And a few years ago, he set up a business called Synergy, um, which focuses on sort of mental health and mental well-being. You know, it's a topic that's been discussed a lot at the moment, but you know he's been doing some really interesting stuff, uh, some really interesting research, and and the things that he uh, we talk about in this in this episode, uh, I'm hoping that you're going to find very very interesting. You know, mental well being is is something that I think yeah we talk about it a lot, but people, especially people who think that they're okay, who don't think that they've got any issues with their own sort of mental health. I think you guys don't pay enough attention to things that you can do day-to-day, habits that you can implement, or at least you don't really pay attention to your own mental health. It tends to be very reactionary, and you tend to really start paying attention where maybe you think that it's uh, deteriorating a little bit, which I do think as a, as a population, as, as a profession, we need to be a little bit more active in looking after our own mental health. So yeah, we've touched on quite a lot of topics. You're going to enjoy this episode. Uh, reach out to Synergy. I think if you own businesses and you own a practice, we do touch on the idea that having a mental health strategy and looking after your employees' mental health and having things there, not just uh, that are available if people are struggling, but actually create an environment where people feel comfortable talking about it, where there are ways in which people can can help strengthen their own mental well-being. What actually benefit you as an organisation? I think that's a really, a really good point that he raises in this episode. So, yeah, have a listen, enjoy. Um, let me know what you think. Feedback's always welcome. And like I said, uh, look for their contact information in our show notes. A really good organisation to get involved with. I know we are as a practice. I'm going to implement some of the stuff we talk about here. So, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Here we are, the Dental Business Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Rick. I kind of wanted to get you on, really, because I think that you know when we're talking to dentists and we're, you know, people are looking at business and having a practice or trying to better themselves. We always look at you know, career progression through learning, you know, new clinical skills where we look, look after as body physically. And I think, um, I think people often overlook the mental side of things. I think we often, you know, we're becoming way more aware of sort of reacting to problems and there is more of a conversation out there. Um, but, you know, I came across your company when um, I was just looking at what's out there for, for sort of people in terms of mental health and and I think the fact that you've come from a from sort of dentistry and then you're also leading this business synergy um I thought it'd be really nice to talk to you really about about mental health and how it links really to the workplace and and how it affects us dentists so um yeah so your business is synergy do you want to give us a bit of a a lowdown on what what synergy does um first of all yeah sure yeah um Synergy was developed to improve the way that mental health is assessed and thereby if mental health is assessed better, for want of a better phrase, if it's assessed more holistically and understood more, you're more likely to then have interventions that will create 
better outcomes for the individuals involved. So a bit like dentistry where we try to take a preventative approach, you're very, you're very right in the fact that generally speaking to healthcare, we're a very reactive race and certainly more so in mental health than what we are with, with other aspects of healthcare. Um, by wanting to change that and become more proactive and, and be more preventative to prevent mental health issues progressing from something that might be um, minor or you know not very episodic to something that is with us all the time as mental illness you know so it's trying to prevent from going from that step to, to, to a worse step earlier on so that's why synergy was developed um, but also very um, neuroscientific and very data driven so it's very much a analytic analytical company that is trying to drive objective measures forward um, to, to give us a better grasp of, 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 of mental health in general. Yeah, because I think that's one of the things that um, when you go to your website, you know, you split it into sort of a few different sections. And I, and I think, um, you know, chatting to you before that the idea where, you know, you've got this subjective, you know, the opinion of the psychologist or psychiatrist, you know, the, the, the healthcare profession that you're speaking to or the, the questionnaire that you're filling out or, whatever it is that offers amount of subjectivity compared to um, the objective side of it. I think that's sort of like a, you know, really impressive thing that you're doing. So um, what, what might you be doing then? So um, you mentioned you're working on the data driven bit. So what kind of objective tests do you do then? So, you know, it, it was really important to bring up really important um idea to bring objectivity into the assessment process if we think about just within dentistry for instance if a patient comes in and says they're in pain one person and we'll say you want to rate it between a scale of one to ten and they might say oh it's about a seven well that one person's seven might be another person's five or it might be another person's nine or it might be another person's one if you're super hard um you know <laughs> it's it's, uh, it, it, it's it's very personal to the individual going through so when you are assessing mental health purely on subjective measures alone, it's absolutely critical to understand how an individual feels. 100% agree with that. And it's um, mega, mega important. Totally, totally enough to get it. But by bringing a degree of objectivity, you can almost get a more robust analysis, a robust, more of a robust um, reading by combining the both to, to better place that individual. So, we measure objective. We measure mental health objectively, doing two things. We we've set up a series of cognitive games, which have been around for for decades, um, widely spoken about within the scientific literature, that have certain links into specific mental health disorders. And we tend to concentrate on stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, OCD, panic. Um, so the major ones, really. Um, so we ask individuals to play a, so they fill out subjective questionnaires about themselves, the lifestyle and family history, and then medically validated screenings typically used within doctor surgery, such as PHQ-9, GAD-7, and PHQ-9 is for depression, GAD-7 is for anxiety. And we then combine that with them playing these games. And then also as a third string of objectivity or, or a second string of objectivity, third string to the assessment process, we carry out um, uh, EEG, so it's uh, electroencephalography, uh, which measures the brain waves in in in, in your brain. Um, and again, using scientific literature and research, and trying to progress that research as well, 
um, there's some certain insights that that can give us into into someone's mental health state. So we combine it all together, combine all the results together to form the full assessment. Um, it was quite interesting that you mentioned sort of the big ones, uh, sort of the anxiety and depression and the different things. Do you find that, I mean, we'll link this into dentistry, because um, you, you work with quite a few dental businesses, don't you? Or, you, know, you, you I know you've, you've, you've worked with businesses within the dental industry and sector. Sure. Do you find that we're more sort of prone to certain mental health conditions or do the dent, do dentists fall under the same kind of, you know, if you were to get a range of dentists, would you find a similar statistical chance of certain things or do dentists, I mean, are we more prone to certain mental health conditions, do you think? Um, we're all mega stressed, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially now trying to get back after the pandemic. Um, yeah. I think the way that dentistry, if we think of how dentistry has progressed, so certainly in my career, you know, I qualified as a dentist in 99 and you automatically go on the pathway of doing it was vocational training then, you do VT, you then become an associate, you work within the NHS system, you may then diversify and offer private treatment, you may do a mix, you may go one way or the other. If we think about the way that the NHS system is, the NHS system is geared up to bring us stress, whether you're an associate or whether you're principal. Because healthcare and target-driven objectives very rarely mix. Yeah. Very rarely mix. And then if you give it our, our nature, generally speaking, as dentists um, and dental, professional, uh, dental professionals, we tend to be perfectionists, um, which is a real mental health issue. Perfectionism is a real mental health issue. Um, overthinking, it leads to overthinking. It leads to minutiae to detail which is really important in our work and what we do it really is however it can almost become destabilized and overcome us as well um, and then leads on we start to focus on the on the one percent or the two percent that we haven't got right instead of the 98 percent that we've done absolutely excellently or really yeah. good you know what i mean and and, and that tends to lead to uh, stress and anxiety and, and, and depression issues as well so certainly our profession is very prone to it, it always has been it had some Unfortunately, I had some really high statistics in the 80s and 90s in relation to people taking their own lives. And we were one of the highest professions. Um, so, yeah, I think we are very prone to it. Um, generally speaking, not just dentistry, um, approximately 40% of employees say that work's contributed to a mental health issue at some point in their life. Yeah. Just 39%. That was brought, brought out of the uh, Deloitte report, uh, Deloitte 2020, so released 2019, uh, released 2020 in January, but done in 2019. Um, and about one in six employees will have a mental health condition at some point in their life as well. So we are very prone to it. It's very time dependent as a profession, as we know. So you're constantly trying to stick to time, which brings its own pressures. The financial pressures, the UDA system in the way that it works, for principals trying to manage it and then associates trying to manage theirs and clawback, etc. So there's lots of factors in dentistry that do create uh, mental health issues. One of the biggest problems I think in dentistry as well is that there's nothing taught at undergraduate level about business coaching. Yeah. Whether you're an associate or a principal, if you're an associate, you're a self-employed business essentially. If you're a principal, you are managing a business that is a healthcare business. Nothing's taught at undergraduate level. And another thing that's, that's not taught at undergraduate level is how to manage your mental health, 
how to how to cope, how to learn to say no. That's always a big problem in dentistry as well. We always want to try and help everybody. Yeah, extra toothache. Yeah, just bring them in, get them in. Time to sit and wait. We'll sort it out. Maybe not sitting and wait now with the uh, COVID nineteen, etc. Um, yeah, walking around way. outside and waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just sit in the car and wait now. We'll have to do it. Wasn't more. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's lots of trigger points, shall we say, within dentistry that can that can lead to mental health issues for sure. Yeah, you, I mean, you touched on some cracking points then. I guess as well, you know, with you know, you could go down loads of routes talking about this because you could say, right, well. You know, if you've got the, the school system and the undergraduate acceptance that's more academic, you've got people that have been real high achievers whilst they've been at school. They go into um, a, sort of a, an academic but also practical and social degree. Maybe they've not developed a social or, you know, that side of it. And then they go into to pra- practice. They're expected absolute perfection. You know, they've got a, a whole lifetime of high achieving, high grades, um, you know, maybe find it difficult because I'm noticing this when I'm speaking to some younger dentists. Maybe um, I don't want to dis, you know, discredit them, but or, or disrespect them generally because it's not general. Um, but you know, finding it hard to communicate and sort of com, um, sort of bond and build rapport in an environment where you're crapping yourself because of getting sued. You know, things can't go wrong, even though what we do is inherently um, going to do that because we work with human beings and, you know, you've got someone walking around with the work you've done, critiquing it 24 hours a day in a, in a high stress area in the mouth. You're not going to get it right all the time and you need to learn and develop um, plus law, lawyers, plus, you know, our quest for perfection and the social media impact of seeing everyone's perfect cases and perfect everything else. It's like a perfect storm, isn't it? Of all this stuff that's kind of swishing around. Um, and you, you touched on the thing there as well. You mentioned about, we don't get taught about how to manage your mental health because we are reactive. You know, there are things that you think, cause I, I tend to try and talk about this a little bit, but I mean, all I'm doing is, is regurgitating my analysis of what the people I listen to talk about. Um, cause I'm not a scientist, you know, I don't do the kind of stuff that you do and the research that your company does and, and all of the things that you're sort of getting involved with, but what you know, are the things that we can do with proactively ourselves, you know, the, are the techniques are the, are the sort of uh, habits that we can do things that we can do to help our own sort of mind space on a day to day basis proactively. 100% I mean, um, you know, talk about physical health you know physical health we talk about good nutrition exercise daily you know go out get your walks etc etc we should be practicing exactly the same for our mental health we you know we could practice five minutes of mindfulness every day um you know we we, we put up a we put up a mindfulness course on our on our website completely free of charge to access um, and we've done that during uh, the first two weeks of the pandemic when, when we went into lockdown at the end of uh, March. We thought, let's get something up on there that people can just go and access straight away. Um, I, I suffer with mental health issues. We all do. We've all got mental health. Um, yeah. We'll all have times when we're feeling good and when we're feeling not so good. Um, you know, I, I, I started practicing some of the mindfulness stuff that we've put on our website and, and it, it's helped me. It's helped me to clear my mind. It's helped me to 
just get a new perspective, practicing gratitude, um, trying to understand and learn more about myself, um, learn to appreciate what's good. You know, that's one good thing I think that's going to come out of, or hopefully going to come out of all this situation that, that we're in at the minute is that people hopefully will start to really appreciate what is important in their life and appreciate what they have as opposed to striving for what they don't have. Cause that's what yeah. we tend to have done in a rat race as you, as you, as you well know, you know, um, practicing things about resilience, huge, hugely, hugely important. Mental resilience is massive. Um, and there's certain ways to change your mindset and to create more of a growth mindset um, that will help you on a day-to-day basis for sure. Um, so there's lots of there's lots of self-help strategies, and that's where we signpost people to begin with. A- anyone that comes through our programs, they're given a link to a load of self-help strategies, which I must say the NHS website got revamped around about October, November time, October, November 19, and it's fantastic. The list of resources on the NHS website now for mental health is brilliant. It's really good. Yeah. We signpost a lot of people to those strategies, as well as obviously signposting to other interventions such as um, personalized therapies, uh, CBT, GP, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there's lots of things that we can be doing ourselves just the same way that we do for physical health. There's lots of things yeah. we can be doing. And they're on often and they're free of charge. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, people who, you know, if you feel like you're not unhealthy, that doesn't make you not want to go to the gym or go for a run or eat healthily you know you don't need to be told by the doctor or you've got high blood pressure to all of it i mean obviously a lot of people don't live a healthy lifestyle but you know we don't naturally just you know it's not accepted that everybody needs to wait until they're told by a doctor that you have a problem before you then actively try to improve your physical health but I do think that people don't respect mental health enough. And there'll be people that listen to this that will probably be like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm not stressed. But, you know, if you, can, if you can do daily habits, I think, you know, what you mentioned about mindfulness, that's a good one. I mean, what, when you say mindfulness, what, what is it that you do for your mindfulness? How, how do you do that? It's about trying to be in the present, be in the now. Be in the now. So there's certain techniques about... Um, grounding um understanding your senses so something really simple imagine imagine a lemon you know close your eyes and imagine a lemon you can do this now while we're on the phone you know while we're on the thing close your eyes imagine a lemon smell it taking the senses of the smell feel the taste you could probably feel yourself salivating now because you're now You're now thinking about the taste of what a, what, what a lemon would be. What's it feel like? What's the texture, texture's like? By doing that, what you're doing is, is is you're bringing your mind into the present right now. None of us ever li- – we either live in the past or in the, or in the future. We're always thinking about things that have possibly gone wrong or we're thinking about what we're going to do. We don't learn to appreciate what we have right now at this moment in time. That's what mindfulness does for us. It allows us to appreciate the moment at present. So, um, however you achieve that, whatever ways you want to do it, like I say, we, we, we've condensed a mindfulness course on our website. It's been written by um, a professor at Oxford University, um, world-renowned professor in mindfulness, and we've condensed his book. It's all free. We've got free audios off, off the teaching to a YouTube link to, to be able to listen to it, et cetera. Um, you know, just using these techniques to, to bring your mind exactly where we are right now so it's not 100 miles an hour into the future and it's not 
constantly ruminating about the past. Um, So um, that's essentially what mindfulness is. Um, Obviously, it's a lot deeper than that, and there's far more experts on mindfulness that can explain it far better than me. But that's what it does for me. I think that's quite a good explanation, though, because I think that, you know, we, you know, if you're like an athlete, you don't just do 100 meter training all the time every day. You need to rest and recuperate because your body needs to recover. So you get the gains from the physical activity. You need to, you always need to rest. It's all, it's just part of the process. And I suppose the way you just described mindfulness to me then, I, the way I felt, or at least the way that I think that it had helped me would be almost, it'd feel like it's a mental like reset button almost. It kind of just calms me down helps my mind rest so then it just gives you that opportunity just to like you said i'm not worrying about what happened last week i'm not i'm not thinking about the patient that i'm seeing next week just kind of just helps you that helps that restfulness that that you know exactly you know we all need time to to control or delete recharge our batteries whichever way you want to look at it reboot our systems you know like you say the the, the explanation you gave about elite athletes you know they're not constantly doing 100 mile an hour, uh, 100 meter sprints are they you know and um, they've got to have rest days you've got to recuperate they've got to look after themselves in other ways and a lot of athletes now a lot of pro athletes are working very much on the psychological aspects of their business as well now whether that's football whether that's tennis whether it's golf and um, we just carried out an interesting um uh, putting study on golf um, at my local golf club uh, where we measured electrical activity of people's brains um at rest and then at task and then seeing what the difference of uh, brainwave activity is because there's a certain marker in brainwave activity um that can help us to try and look at um positive and negative outcomes and so that's what we were looking at um, and bounce back ability to adversity Um, there's a certain marker and so that's some of the things that we get from our analysis that we're that we carry out when we measure the brain activity so um just on that so kind of figuring out if people uh, you know people that can their brain waves do a certain thing are they more are they more likely to land that put in the pressured situation is that the kind of links that you're trying to get exactly yeah i mean it's very much in its infancy neuroscience is behind a lot of medicine if we're honest it's 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 not as robust as a, a blood test for instance the blood test is yeah. a fantastic way to describe you within a certain uh, range. You've either got high blood glucose levels or low glucose levels. In terms of your brain waves, yeah, there's certain activities that are ultimately specific to you. There is some group norm references out there that we can start to relate things to, but ideally, in an ideal world, we would like to measure your brainwave activity over a number of periods of visits so we can reference you to yourself because mental yeah. health is so personal. So understanding how your brain uh, works and the, and, the, and the way that the, the rhythmical electrical activity flows within your brain, within your specific brain, will be massively important for us to then be able to see, okay, now you've got deviations. So one way you had a brain pattern this way, so you might have high alpha wave activity, for argument's sake, in the front side of your brain. Um, and that might be perfectly normal for you. It might be absolutely fine for you and you're suffering no issues. But then you could have had a, an incident or a major, a major thing that occurred and that activity changes and we can pick it up because we've got previous data. It's exactly the same as 
you know, we talk about going back onto the prevention route, you know, we ask people to come to see us every six months or every three months or every 12 months or every nine months based on a risk assessment for argument's sake, yeah? And so we ask people to come and see us. Even if there's nothing wrong, we ask them to come and see us to check on the teeth. If we do that, we should be doing that with mental health. I'd even argue the point, even being a dentist, I'd say it's more important to do it for your mental health than your teeth, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on what you've just said there, but just going back to the... Uh, I'm not obsessed with golf, but just going back to the golf. Because <laughs> uh, it, it kind of links to something that I was uh, reading or listening to, talking about how sort of our evolution, um, we get little dopamine hits that uh, that we get on if if we're in the pursuit of something and say you if you could like you said about resilience and bounce back ability i think um i was listening to um oh god i can't remember his name but i think he's a neuroscientist and he was talking about how you know we are programmed just as a, as a species to reward ourselves uh, with little dopamine hits if we're on the pursuit of something that can benefit us and and being able to actually bounce back and and acknowledge that we may not be hitting, you know, we might not be landing that put or getting that perfect margin or doing a perfect something, but actually we we are designed to sort of reward ourselves if we're in tune with that with that process. That if we're in the pursuit of something, we actually should benefit from that. There should be actually um, a, a good dopamine hit if we're on the pursuit of something that we know is beneficial. So if we're learning a new skill or if, yeah, like, if, you know, if we're learning something that's going to help us survive or if we're, uh, you know, if we see, you know, if we're on the way to a watering hole as a sort of a caveman and we see a drop of water somewhere, all of a sudden we get a massive burst of energy because evolution's telling us, yeah, you're on the pursuit of something that's going to save your life. You're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes now we're too obsessed with the end point and we don't actually appreciate that there's a benefit to the process. So there is a benefit to not getting the put, not landing it, trying again, trying again. And also in dentistry, I suppose there's a benefit in being, being aware of the process and trying to benefit from, from that, I think is probably quite, quite helpful. I mean, when you're talking about this, do you, do you, talk, do you look at the, the hormonal changes as well? Is the brain waves or is it all linked? We, ours, is, ours is mainly all based on electrical activity, um, yeah. so we, we, we look we look purely at electrical activity within the brain, um, and then combine it with the effects of con- cognition, and then subjective measures to, to get ourselves a holistic picture. Um, so we don't look at the chemical imbalances at all. Um, is there links between electrical and chemical ba- imbalances, etc.? Who knows? My probably my business partner. Far better position to answer that because um, yeah. he's a neuroscientist. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of research and a lot of field, but certainly what you talked about there in terms of in terms of bouncing back, etc. You know, if we think about how going back to elite sports, if we're going to, you know, it's always a good way to, to measure it. Tiger Woods didn't become world number one by winning everything every single time. He's had loads of failures along the way, loads yeah. tons. Rory McIlroy, tons of failures, probably going through a slump at the minute now. Absolutely tons. It's how you handle yourself in the face of that adversity and how you channel. You've got two ways of choosing where to go. And you can either say, no, I'm not very good at this. Or you can shift your mindset and say, okay, that wasn't great. However, I know I can do better because I have the ability within myself. 
and it might take a little bit more practice or I might just have need a bit of luck to go more. You can shift your mindset. There's two different ways of looking at it. One's a very yeah. uh, much a, a way of, oh, I can't do it, forget it. One's a way of, all right, I might not be able to do that now, but I can in the future. And that's how people become elite sportsmen, for argument's sake. They take all those failures and use them as building blocks or stepping stones to get to that elite level. We can apply that theory, all of us can, 100% of the population can, can apply that theory to themselves. We don't have to be elite sportsmen, but we can apply that same theory of when we're, instead of saying, I can't, maybe shifting our mindset to saying, no, I can't do that right now, but I will possibly be able to do that in the future. It's a totally different kettle of fish, then, and that's when you've created a growth mindset. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's that's a growth mindset, isn't it, where... Um, you know, if you if you if you don't have a growth mindset, you're far more, you know, you're more content trying to confirm what your current level of ability is. So you don't step outside your comfort zone, and maybe you don't handle failure as well. I'm assuming I don't know, um, because you've got a certain level that you that you're at. Whereas, as a growth mindset, you you understand, or you're far more interested in the idea that you're improving. And you know that failure is part of that process. So you're more open to the idea that things may not go right, but if you improve and learn and develop, then actually you'll benefit longer term. So you kind of understand that's that's part of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, that forms a basis of what we do in terms of continual professional development. We're constantly trying to learn and improve our techniques and, and take our take our dentistry to the next level. Um, and, and, and you're going to have some setbacks along the way. The problem that we have in dentistry, going back to one of your first questions about are we prone to mental health issues more so in dentistry, because we practice in fear, and we do, we're always at the back of our line thinking about medical legal issues um, within dentistry. That actually inhibits our growth a little bit because, yeah. and by the way, I totally get the fact that patients are not guinea pigs for us to be experimenting on. We understand that completely. Yeah. But we've got to be bold enough to be able to say, okay, we see the benefits in trying to improve our technique and doing it in this way. Therefore, let's take that chance. And let's also back ourselves. Let's back ourselves and give ourselves, you know, a bit of self-confidence is not, it's not arrogance. It's, it's, it's having faith in your ability to go, you know what? Yeah, I can do that. And if it hasn't worked out perfectly, okay, why didn't it work out? Let's figure it out. It hasn't worked out because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, let's figure that out for next time and let's get it done. And then the more and more you get those little, little gains, the more confidence you'll build and then eventually you'll nail it and then you'll nail it and nail it and nail it time and time again. Yeah, I think what you, yeah, I think that comes a lot down to time, doesn't it? Because, I mean, what, what you'd hope... I mean, obviously, the NHS contract creates its whole, a whole host of problems, but you know, certainly my practice is private, and we've got a new associate joining us in a couple of weeks who's just out of his, um, his sort of VT year, uh, pretty mm-hmm. much. And one of the things that I know that I will do, and we have therapists as well, actually, that do quite a lot of our fillings and all the stuff that within their scope of practice they'll do. Um, and I was chatting to, I sort of talked to them, and when, whenever we're talking about them doing their dentistry i always try and make sure that they know that i don't give a shit about time and i don't want them to try and do it quickly and mm-hmm. chatting to the therapist last week because the way that we are at the moment due to the, you know, all the factors and the, the circumstance we are more therapist led because we're not doing a checkup and then doing treatment we've got as agp and non-agp sessions split up and we're doing it like that so you know, we're having to use therapists more. And 
there's a case coming up where it's, it's an aesthetic case. I said to him, you know what? Have a look at it today. Take your time. Take as long as you need. If you're not happy with something, then take longer or bring the patient back and redo it. And just basically just spend time getting it right. Um, don't try and do it quickly. Um, so yes, yeah, like I said, it's not about being a guinea pig and it's not about doing something, some hero odontics, um, because you think, oh, you know what, we'd, let's just give it a shot. I'm going to try it, you know. But it's about knowing that if something's going to be a bit more challenging, maybe having someone in your practice you can look to, mentors, taking your time, not rushing, um, and developing your skill that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, 100%. I mean, we, we, we've always um, done, thing on the, done things on the basis of do your work for the best of your ability, don't worry about time. Don't worry about cost. We'll, that'll come. That'll come over. You know, yeah. when, when I used to be a foundation dental trainer, that's what we used to talk about to our foundation dentists. You know, um, the, the the time and the speed will increase. But get better at your job. Get as best as you can become at your job. You know what I mean by continuing and trying these things. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of how and also obviously you have to shift things the way that you're doing non AGPs and AGPs. Um, in your practice so yeah i get why why you're doing it in that way you know mm. and um just going back on to synergy now if you were going to be doing work because you know you you can come into business and you've got various different um things that you do when you work with a business um do you want to just go over the different things that you can do if uh if you were to say because you'd to come to my practice because you touched on it at the very beginning. You know, there's a lot of absenteeism, or not absenteeism, but people who maybe because of mental health issues might need time off work. So forgetting about actually being a good boss, being a human being and caring about your employees and yourself, obviously, from a business point of view, there's an actual financial economical benefit to, to looking oh. after your mental health, isn't this? So what, what do you do when you work with practices or businesses? Huge. Just to give you some, some stats on that, Brad, the UK economy loses $45 billion per year um, due to mental health issues. Um, $7 billion is lost due to absenteeism and $29 billion is lost due to presenteeism. So that's when people are coming to work but not fully productive got things on the mind, this, that, and the other. Um, and then the other $9 billion is lost due to staff turnover. So $45 right. billion you've lost in the UK economy, and that will only increase post-COVID now, for sure. Yeah. So there's a huge benefit to having a really good mental health strategy within any organisation, no matter how big or not, how small. People, especially in dentistry, some dental practice, my dental practice is tiny. People who, who have tiny practices think, oh, it won't affect us with a little team, we're fine. It affects everybody. To get the right strategies in place, um, to get the conversation open about mental health, be bold enough to talk about it, to discuss, ask people how they are, show your, as the leader of the organization, show your human side as well, you know, um, involve people in how the business is going to move forward, um, make them feel part of the team. You're in, the, you're in this together, that kind of thing. Our, our strap line is being mentally healthy together. Um, of our company and and, and it, it, it's so true we've got a couple of products we touched, touched on a couple of the individual products one of the easiest ways one of the entry level ways is you need to understand what is actually happening within your business where are your, where are your pinch points where are the points where by you're not so good at where are the things that you are so good at 
do do you know them? Do you, are are you um, do you have good relationships within the within the workplace environments? Is the workplace safe and suitable? Not just from your perspective as the fact that you're the owner of the practice, but does your reception think it's safe and suitable? Even more so now because of because of COVID. Um, you know what personal support are we offering? A lot of, a lot of big organisations talk about oh well we've got an EAP so that's fine great start 100 fantastic that you've got something in place but an EAP an employee assistance program is essentially a reactionary program it's designed for when if you've got a problem then you can use this what we do are proactive programs and by proactively spending money on mental health if you did an organizational wide proactive mental health strategy uh Deloitte thinks that you can return six pounds for every one pound invested that's a massive return on investment. And then if you then take that further and look at strategies uh, that we use about um, uh, individual screenings and that kind of stuff, the potential biggest return on investment is £10.20 for every £1 spent, potentially, on a strategy that involves screening, personalised personalized feedback, and signposting to personalised intervention strategies such as uh, an occupational health physician or something like that. Okay, and that's exactly what we talked about before about what we do. We we do um, medical screenings, subjective questionnaires. We then um, combine it with objective data. We personally feed it back via a one-to-one counsellor. So the first time you would see your results uh, would be, let's say, via a Zoom call now, because we're trying to be socially distanced, via a Zoom call with one of our counsellors who will show you your results on the screen, explain to them what explain to you what they mean. And have a chat with you and then decide with you on how best it is for you to move forward i keep on stressing to you because it's all about you it's all about the yeah. individual involved it's not about us it's not about anyone it's all about them okay but a real easy way to to ascertain that what, from what we do is we have our synergy objective programs so we have something called a pop org and um, so it's a synergy objective program just for organizations it's a dashboard that's been built you can sign up all your workforce onto this by providing an email address, you can run it as the admin, and uh, each individual within the workforce can fill out a questionnaire. It's about 60 questions long. It covers five key domains, such as their roles and demands, um, the workplace environment that we talked about, the relationships, and um, their support, and their personal well-being, okay? And it populates a score, and then as, how many, how many people do you have working for you, Brad? Uh, we have about 15. About 15, okay. So as, as people start to populate this survey, you'll get a real-time data that's filled up. So you, as the admin, will just see anonymous data real-time. The individuals will keep filling out, and that will just keep changing and fluctuating according to whatever the data that comes in. We then give you a score um, in each domain, and then we then give you an overall score and uh, provide you with a certificate that you can put up on your wall or display um, or put on your website to show that you are a mentally healthy workplace or that you're striving to be a mentally healthy workplace and you're taking mental health serious and you're being very proactive about it that's really straightforward and easy to do it's very very it's a very low cost way of doing it um, and it will give you some it'll give you a report that gives you valuable insights on where so a, a person you know if, if you're falling down on on what support is available then you can look at that and say okay all 15 have said well you know what we don't feel massively supported uh, uh, within this dental practice that, at least then that'll give you an idea to say, okay, well, fair enough. Maybe I should look at channeling some of our budget for uh, what we've got within our business, channel that towards how can we create some more support for you guys. And also ask, then ask the team, get them involved. 
okay, you don't feel supported. How do you want to be supported? What is it that you want to look at? Would you want to look at another program with Synergy or would you prefer to just have uh, an EAP where you've got some counseling services available to you or whatever it might be, you know? And not everything has to cost the air. We went, we touched on it before about self-help strategies and mindfulness and et cetera. These can then be brought into your sessions. Talk about these things during your staff meetings. Really important. We, We speak about mental health and well-being in every single one of our staff meetings. It's part of our agenda, the same way health yeah. and safety is. It's part yeah. of our agenda straight away that we talk about it in our staff meetings. Um, so that's a really entry-level way of doing it. We also provide um, uh, quite an extensive document which has a list of strategies within there. So it talks about, it explains what depression is, what anxiety is, etc. It tells you the signs and symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, all the big five or big six that we talked about before, how you can recognize them within your colleagues or how you can recognize them within yourself, and then a couple of hints and tips on how you can improve them yourself. You can have that as a rolling document set up within your database, and if you have a file shared amongst your employees or you've got uh, whatever you keep for your uh, policies and procedures, um, that can be that can be uh, purchased from us, and that can be set up onto, onto your, your policies and procedures file for anyone to access at any time. You can bespoke them specific to your practice environment. They're generically written. Um, so there's that. There's, there's uh, sample risk assessments that can be done. And there's great advice about uh, mental health and the law. Um, you know, so it was, part, it was part of the Equality Act of 2010. Um, so how you can go about uh, supporting people with mental health conditions. People with mental health conditions are actually really, really productive, high-achieving people. People just automatically, unfortunately, due to the past and the stigma the way it was, it's automatically dismissed. Think, oh, we better not, because all we focus on is the cost of absenteeism. But actually, at times, yes, you might have some absenteeism, but the productivity that can come out of it is, is far supersedes the absenteeism that occurs. Yeah. By having an open mind towards all this and by working with an individual for being them as, and treating them as a person, you can then get the best out of them and they can get the best out of you and together you'll get the best out for the business involved. So that's uh, that's another uh, product that we have. So we've got, the, we've got the POP Org, which is the survey that we talked about. We've got the strategies. And then we have uh, the POP COG, which is the individual screenings that we talked about, but it's just the subjective and the cognitive games. Um, and then we then compile a report, feed it back by the counsellor, um, and then signpost individuals. And then we have the POP EEG, um, which is um, the, 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 the subjective cognitive games and the uh, EEG. And that's where we come in in person to, into the organization to, to carry out the, uh, the, the EEG measures, the brainwave measures. So we've got them. And then soon we are actually working on um, workshops. So we're going we're gonna to be um, filming some workshops that we're going to try and uh, allow practices to have them available online so you'll be sent a link and so again they'll be fairly generic but they'll put people into certain scenarios and you'll be able to pause it and talk about how or you can have one of us facilitate it talk about how would you deal with that but then also have one of our counselors tell you how they would specifically deal with the situation as well yeah yeah so uh, so that's coming through as well yeah, I must admit, I think the idea of of having something in place and, you know, even, even looking 
beyond the fact that you're actually helping yourself, your staff, you know, the people that are working within your business, putting that to one side, actually the, you know, that, yeah, you're benefiting them, but the, the fact that they will see that you're taking it seriously, especially if things are stressful, like at the moment, you know, you know, one of the things that as, a, as businesses we need to be doing is letting the staff know that we're taking coronavirus seriously because you don't know what they feel about the whole situation. You know, speaking to patients, you know, there's such a massive variation with people's perspectives on what's going on. Some people just don't give a shit. Um, and some people are petrified and your staff can fall anywhere in that sort of spectrum. Um, so I think with terms of mental health, actually as well, you're going to have people that despite maybe having conversations and seeing them every day, you might, you don't know where they are with their stress levels, with their anxiety, with their sort of fear for coming to work or the stress about what's happening day to day and for whatever reason. And if they can see that you're being proactive about this, they can see that you've got these measures that you're implementing, that, that actually what you're doing is for their benefit, then that's going to give you a massive amount of sort of employee goodwill and loyalty, isn't it? Well, not, not only just that, though, as well, Brad, you, you're actually you're, you're raising awareness, you're breaking down stigmas and barriers, and you're opening the door. You're opening the door to say, look, we want to be a mentally healthy workplace environment and we're doing everything we can and there'll be some people that don't want to take it up i always say this whenever we present to any organization some people will want to sign up for our full screenings for argument's sake some people won't some people don't want to know and that's absolutely fine whatever's comfortable for the individual but just know that it's available to you your employer has made this available to you free of charge to you as an individual because they care about you because they want you to be mentally healthy it's opening up those conversations. And, and one of the organizations that we went into, approximately, I don't know, 35 out of 55 took it up, something like that. Yeah, so it was a pretty good take-up of, of, of screenings. Yeah. But the other 20 didn't, and that's fine. But what happened is across the organization was mental health was spoken about more, and therefore when someone had an issue, they were more likely to come forward, and they actually did come forward. They came forward to say, do you know what? I'm actually struggling with my workload, or I've had some issues at home and I feel more comfortable because they now realize that they're not going to be, oh, well, my boss is not going to let me have the time off or, or this, that, and the other. They realize that, oh, they, no, we can talk about these things. And the only way for us to talk about them, deal with them, and make it, uh, and make it better for everyone involved is to start coming forward with it. And that's it's not the onus is just not on the employer as well. It's on the employee as well. The employee's got to feel comfortable bringing it forward. But most employees won't because they're scared of the repercussions that, 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 yeah. that occur just because of past history. Now, you know, mental health has spoken about far more, which is fantastic. We, we, we are talking about it so much more. We'd never have done something like this five years ago, uh, 10 years ago maybe, you know. Um, it's, it, it, it's great. But it's just the start. We need to keep on pushing forward and keep on driving it forward and keep on getting people to to try and open up. People think that it's a sign of weakness if they can't cope by themselves. It, it's actually the opposite. It takes so much strength to admit to yourself and have the courage to open up to somebody else that you have a mental health problem. And I learned that the hard way, personally. You know, um, I used to think, oh, I can deal with everything by myself. And, and there's still times when I do think like that, but I am far more open now because of the things I've learned and the things I'm trying to drive forward. I'm far more open now to, I've discussed straight away with you that I have my own issues, yeah. you know. Uh, during lockdown, I've gone through 
some I had some periods of, of real positivity, I had some periods of where I just wanted to jack it all in. You know, I just thought, yeah. you know what, is this for me? A lot of dental business owners would probably feel the same way, especially privately, because um, you know, there's a big financial implication as well as the whole getting everything in place, safety measures and this, that and the other. Um, so we all have these episodes. But by talking about it and by being open and honest and having these conversations, and we all haven't got the solutions. I haven't got all the solutions. Synergy Mental Health hasn't got all the solutions. But one thing I can promise you is that we're working 100% to try our best to try and get those solutions and to try and push and drive the mental health agenda forward because it's only going to get worse as a result of COVID as well. Yeah. You know? You know what, Rick? I think that's a really good place to end the, the episode. You know what? That was, a, that was you know, I think that, I mean, I was hoping that we'd touch on some of the stuff that we've touched on. You know, the idea that as an individual, you know, take ownership of, of your own mental health, whether you acknowledge right now that there's anything going on, whether you've got any issues or struggles, you know, even if you feel the strongest mentally ever, you know, Usain Bolt still trains the 100 metres um, and, you know, trying to make sure that you're still working proactively to strengthen your own mental health and work on that. But then also as business owners, taking ownership of your working environment and understanding that, that having a mental health strategy and having something in place that benefits the people working within your organization, the, the financial benefits of that that you'll see and the, the false economy of not spending the money on this and just oh. being aware of that. I think it's uh, some pretty powerful stuff you've gone through there. It's, it's, it's massive, Brad. It's, uh, it's absolutely massive. I mean, you know, it's not just the financial benefits of the mental health strategy, the holistic benefits that occur, that occur the whole environment has uplifted the uh, coming to work and, 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 and feeling in a real safe space to work in. I don't mean safe physically. I mean in a safe environment mentally, uh, safe environment mentally where you can discuss problems with each other to get the best outcomes for everyone. And certainly, you know, the onus is not completely on the employer. I must stress that as well. We all have a self-responsibility to our physical health and our mental health. It's a government directive that's laid down and driven, and it will be continually driven over the next five to 10 years because we need to try and reduce strain on the NHS. Um, and, and, and part of that is certainly taking ownership of our mental health. I thought it was a good phrase that you used there like that. Um, so can you just tell people where they find Synergy then? How, how would... How would somebody get in touch with you? Sure. Um, obviously, we've got the website, which is www.synergy, spelled with a P. So it's P-S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y, uh, synergymentalhealth.com. Um, anyone is more than welcome to email myself, uh, ritesh at synergymentalhealth.com or info at synergymentalhealth.com. Um, they can search my name. There's not many of me around on Facebook and stuff. Um, private message me I am available um, and I am more than happy to help anybody whatsoever um, uh, with their mental health um, whether it's an organisation or an individual um, but yeah get in touch I'd love to hear from you as well awesome Rick yeah I appreciate you spending the time and people are going to get a lot of value from that so yeah really uh, really happy we've had this chat yeah no, I really appreciate you inviting me on and hopefully we can do some more on it <laughs>